the 29th of June, 2006, episode 36. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Rookie Designer is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. One of the most common pieces of advice I hear from experienced designers is for young designers not to be so quick to jump on their computer. Now, we've talked a bit about this in the past in regards to actually picking up a pencil and paper to brainstorm before you actually get on the computer and start designing a piece. Today, I wanted to talk more about getting away from the computer to create different effects in your imagery or in your graphics. Do you have more than one operating system at home? Or do you have a Windows box and you really want to get Linux running? Maybe you're thinking of coming over to the light side and want to try your hand at OSX. Well, we have the perfect podcast for you. It's called the RootSmart.com Tech Podcast, and you can find it at RootSmart.com. It's that easy. We cover Windows, Linux, and Mac. With how-tos, tips and tricks, and interviews with leaders in the tech world, what more could you want? So obviously the first piece of news is that I'm now back from my vacation. And of course, because of this, I'm completely swamped uh, at work, at home, at, at everything I do, basically. So I'm just trying to catch up with everything that I usually get done. Uh, it was a decent vacation, but as all vacations usually go, it didn't seem long enough, really. Once you get back and you hit that first Monday, it's just uh, you, you wish you were back on vacation again. But uh, I'm starting to get into the swing of things now, so it's not so bad. While I was gone, we had excellent numbers in pretty much everything. The podcast Alley Votes got up to like 64, I think, which was amazing. That's, uh, that's the highest we've been so far, and I thank everybody for voting that did so. If you haven't put your vote in yet for this month, you can still do so today and tomorrow. So just go to the website, rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. Stick your email on the forum and you can do that that way. And uh, also on the forum, uh, the first time I did this, the first time I, I left a, a video up in the members only box, it didn't work quite as well, but it looks like about 30 or 40 people have joined the forum since I went on my, vaca- bleh, since I went on my vacation. So um, I definitely appreciate that too. And, and you won't be sorry. I hope you guys didn't just go up just to get the video. I hope you actually stay up there. Check out the conversations that are going on and uh, join in. Participate in the conversations because you can actually learn a lot. There's a lot of great people up there. We have had no problems thus far with people uh, having a bad attitude up there. Everybody's really nice. So uh, be sure to get up there and share with everybody. You won't regret it. Also, while I was gone, I got a couple of Skype messages and a couple of emails. And thank you for that. I always love to hear from the listeners. Uh, just be weary that I might not be able to get back to you guys for a little while, because as I said, I have been a little bit swamped since I got back. So it might be a week or two before I can get back into the flow and start answering all those appropriately. I did want to comment on one message that I got and I won't say who it was from. 
uh, not that you would know anyways, but somebody called in and said they had a problem with the sound quality of this podcast. At least I think it was this one. I, I suppose it could have been either this one or the, the video podcast. But um, it was kind of a new listener. So to that listener, I would say you should go ahead and listen to Ricky Designer number 21. And that one is all about critiquing. Because basically the person just said, well, your, your, your audio for the podcast sucks. And that's not telling me anything. Uh, I'm very willing to take your advice if you have any tips for me. I am no audio genius, that's for sure. Uh, I, would, I would like to take tips, but you got to give them to me. I, just telling me that the sound quality sucks doesn't tell me what I'm doing wrong. So if you want to give me a mes- another message or send me an email, adam at rickydesigner.com. I'd be more than happy to take some tips from you. I'll tell you right now, what I've been recording into is Audio Hijack Pro. And then I take that into uh, Soundtrack Pro. And I don't really do much with it as far as effects. I do compress it, of course, and it gets compressed into the MPEG file, which certainly doesn't make it sound any better. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely take some tips from anybody who has them. And if you... If you listen to this show and you just think the audio is so bad that you can't listen to it, please tell me. I don't want to lose listeners because the audio is that bad. Now, I don't think it's that bad. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've heard quite a few others that the audio is way worse than mine. So you also have to keep in mind that this is a podcast, not a broadcast. I am podcasting from my extra room in my house, which is my office. Uh, I do my best to shut the window, shut off the fan, and get rid of all the noise that I can, but I am pretty close to the flight path here in San Diego. I also have the uh, G5 computer, which, as you may or may not know, has about 15 fans in it, and they all seem to go off right when I'm recording, so that's a little added noise. But just to let you know, I, I try my hardest to get the best sound quality that I can, and, well, it doesn't always work, so... You know, if it's so bad, though, please let me know and I'll try and fix it. All right, the next thing is the podcast awards. And this is something that's going to start this next month. And this is something I'm going to need your help on. Again, kind of like the podcast alley votes. And, uh, you know, I'll let you off the hook for that one if you help me out with this one this month, because this is a big deal. This is a way to to get some... uh, to get a lot of people looking at your podcast. Obviously, they have a lot of different categories and there's only one winner per category. And if you do win that, then you're probably going to get some attention paid to your your podcast. So it's it's kind of important to me. I mean, winning is definitely not everything, but it would be nice to be recognized as a very good podcast, which I think this is. I think we have a good community and some good content sharing going on here. So it's it's called the Podcast Awards. You can find it at podcastawards.com. I will be putting up a either a banner or a link or something that you can find it with when it actually starts. So the way this thing works, it starts on July 1st, which is going to be a Saturday. They have pretty strict rules. Uh, you can nominate a podcast once every 24 hours. So it's basically like voting for me once a day. Uh, if you try and do it more, they end up, they find out who you are and they just throw all your votes away. So it's, it, it really doesn't pay to, to be overzealous and try and vote more than you're supposed to. So, and if you could vote for me once a day, I would really appreciate that. I, I don't expect miracles here, but if you like the show, 
uh, please help me out and, and do this. You can vote for me once a day. You can nominate it for podcast of the year or best produced. And well, since we just had that last discussion, I don't think we're going to be voting for best produced. I wouldn't encourage you to do that. I don't think it's the best produced podcast out there for sure. Uh, but you can you can nominate it for podcast of the year and an individ, individual category, which that one would, of course, be education because that's what we do here. So you can nominate it for both of those if you want, or you can just do it for education. That's the one that I'm worried about. Uh, the nomination process, you're going to get a form and you're going to have to fill out the podcast name, which is, of course, Rookie Designer. The podcast URL, which is rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. Your name, hopefully you know that. Uh, you're going to have to have a verifiable email. Uh, same kind of process as when you join the form or pretty much when you do anything these days. They'll, they'll send you that email to, to your email address and you have to click on a link or something to show that it's actually your email and that it's valid. Uh, and last thing, you just need to comment why you think, why you want to nominate the podcast for, for the award. And again, uh, they have some, some pretty gnarly protections so that I guess people in the past have set up uh, little applications or something that will vote for them. So it's all automated so they don't have to do it. So you're going to have to actually go to their website to fill out this form uh, every time you vote or every time you nominate the podcast and do that. And the nominations will end July 15th. So if you really love this show and you really want to help me out, then you will have nominated my podcast 15 times. Uh, again, I don't expect everybody to, to totally get out there and do that. I know it's probably a little annoying, but again, if you want to help me out and... Uh, you really like this show, then please get out there and nominate me at least a couple of times. Uh, af after this process, they count up all the tallies. It, half of it has to do with how many people nominate you. Half of it has to do with the quality and the content of your show. And then they're going to pick five podcasts from that. And then they're going to open up some voting. And then you're going to have to vote after that. So if we, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, if we do get to it. But for right now, I could use your votes for, for the nominations. All right, enough about that. So the, the topic for today is kind of thinking outside of the box, if you will. And by the box, I would mean the, the tower that contains your computer. Now, there's many powerful tools in the applications that we use on a daily basis, uh, namely Photoshop. Photoshop can do many amazing things. And there's also a lot of techniques out there. If you go to any of these tutorial sites that we talk about all the time, especially the Photoshop ones, you can learn how to do a lot of things. You can, you can create a lot of effects that mimic the real world. You can make things that look like water or fire or different textures. There's lots of things that you can mimic and make it look like you may have taken a picture of something that's real. But sometimes it's good, good to get away from the computer and actually create effects without the software. And today I wanted to point out a few examples of things that, that I've done in the past or that I've seen other people do. It's obviously not going to, there's, there's tons of different ways you could go with this whole technique, this whole idea, but I just wanted to point out some of the ones that I have found useful in, in certain things that I've done. So the first venture would be to uh, use the spray paint can. Now this is very common and, and this is where I used it is in band art. You find with bands, especially punk bands, but just bands in general. And this has gone, this is actually mutated out into other design as well. 
the the messy looking artwork or especially messy looking type. And this is something that's pretty hard to accomplish on your computer. It can be done, but a lot of times it comes out looking kind of forced. Like if you use, I can't think what filter it is. There's a certain filter in Photoshop where it kind of messes up the edges of the type. I think it's roughened edges or something like that. If you use that, well, it, it kind of works, but it does the same thing to each letter and it just looks completely fake. Now you can go in and tweak the, the settings and you can use a couple different filters and get the results that you want. But why not try doing something outside of the computer and then maybe bringing it in later so that it doesn't look like you're, you're forcing it so much. Well, this is one of the things that we used to do uh, to get like a messy logo or some kind of messy artwork, maybe a background or something like that, is actually take a piece of paper or a poster board and use spray paint on it. Uh, you can, the, again, there's spray, spray paint brushes in Photoshop, but the problem with that is, again, it, it tends to look a little forced unless you're changing brushes like all the time and you're changing sizes and you can, there's a lot of brushes that you can download off of different websites that, that look different than obviously the stock ones that come with Photoshop. If you use the stock ones, people are, are probably going to know if they use Photoshop, they're going to know what you used, but you can download other brushes, but why not try just getting away from the computer and doing it yourself? Because you can get a lot of different results depending on how much you, how much paint you spray on it, how far away from the paper you are, how windy it is that day. There's a lot of different things that can come into play that will make it look a lot less force. It'll make it look more natural. One thing you can also add to this, especially if you're doing like a logo or something like that, that, that will definitely help is to cut out your own template or stencil. Again, get some poster board, uh, find out, find your favorite font and maybe trace it out in some pencil on there and just cut it out with an X-Acto blade. And then you can use that to uh, use that as a stencil either to use the cutout letters to paint around the letters, or you can use the, the piece that's remaining that has the letters cut out of it, obviously for a stencil to be able to paint on something else through that. Uh, a couple techniques that, that are pretty popular these days. Uh, if you spray a little extra paint on there, you can get kind of drips or streaks going through it. That's something you see a lot, especially if you go into a skate shop, you'll, you'll probably see at least one shirt in the skate shop that is somebody's logo and it looks like somebody just took a can of spray paint and sprayed it right on the shirt through a stencil, but they sprayed so much of it on there that it started to drip down the shirt a little bit. Very popular technique and very easy to do if you actually just do it yourself. Again, you're probably going to be wasting time if you're trying to do that on the computer and make it look real, unless that's a technique that's, that you've uh, really got under your belt there. Now on the topic of messy art, uh, a photocopier can actually be a great ally for this as well. And this is how we used to do, this is how we made a couple of our band logos. There's another good way to make a really messy logo. Basically what you're going to do is find a font that you like again, just print out a black and white logo on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be nice paper. Actually, the crappier the paper is probably the better off you're going to be. And then you're just going to stick that in the copier and you're going to copy it. And you're going to take the copy and copy that and take the copy and copy that and do that several times. Other things you might want to do is crumple the paper up and then straighten it back out and then copy that. These are just little ways to introduce some inconsistency or some, some flaws into the logo, which is what we're looking to put into it. It might sound 
kind of strange to to want something to look flawed, but that's that's the way this artwork goes. So, so if you want to get a logo with a, a worn, imperfect look to it, again, when you start crumpling up or something like that, then the paper tends to bend and some of the ink comes off of it. So you can see little white streaks going through it. And that might be the effect that you're looking for. Also, we used to make a lot of flyers for, for our band shows. And uh, one of the most popular ones, or used to be one of the most popular ones for punk shows would be the ransom note. And you see this in a lot of movies, uh, not probably not too many anymore, but this would be the way that the, the, person who kidnapped somebody would give a note. So they don't want to write in their own handwriting or they might know who it is or some crap like that. I don't know. But they would take a bunch of words or a bunch of letters from different magazines or newspapers, all different sizes, and paste them onto a piece of paper and then send that to the to the person. This is basically what exactly what you're doing if you want to make this type of thing. Uh, again, you can do this. You could probably get this kind of effect in Photoshop. You would have to make little pieces that look like torn paper, but why not just do it yourself? And uh, you can just cut these things out of the magazines or newspapers, glue them on the paper, and either copy that on the copy machine, which is what we did for the flyers because all we needed was black and white. Or of course, you could put that on the scanner and just scan it in that way. And uh, talking of, of rough or ripped edges, this is a great way to get that too. Sometimes it's not easy to make that effect. So why not just take a piece of paper or a piece of cardboard or a magazine page and tear it and then scan it in and you can have that. I've actually done that with maps before too. It makes a nice little effect. Obviously the best effect is when you have a colored piece of paper and you tear it and then it has kind of that white fringy edge on it or it works real well with cardboard as well. But uh, another another good idea to to get those things going without having to spend a lot of time making the effect just actually do it and scan it in. Something I've also used is for like backgrounds on web pages. I've used crumpled up paper that I flattened out. So it almost looks a little bit like parchment or you could actually use parchment paper and scan it in. Uh, I've also had pieces of paper that I burnt the edges of to use as a background on a website. All very good ideas and, and very easy to do. Won't take you a whole lot of time. The keys to the game. Brought to you by TechPodcast.com. Keys to the game today. I actually need a little help from you guys because this is something I couldn't figure out on Windows. Uh, I, I have one solution for Windows, but this is actually a key command for InDesign, and it's to be able to put tabs in a table. Uh, as you may or may not know, when you go in, when you create a table and you click in one of the cells, if you just press tab, it's just going to switch it to the next cell, either the next cell over or the next cell down. So how do you put a tab in if you want to tab your text over and have a little indent in it? Well, on the Mac, it's pretty easy. You just hold down the option key and then you press tab. The PC is where it gets a little different. And I only have InDesign CS on my Windows machine, so I don't know if they may have added in a key command for CS2 or not. But my way around this for Windows, you're going to put the cursor where you want the tab, and then you right-click, and from that contextual menu, you're going to select Insert Special Character, and in that list, you'll find one that says Tab. So if there's anybody out there on Windows on CS2 that can find out a key command, please send that in to me, uh, email it or on the forums or some way so that I can relay that to everybody. But 
I couldn't find one on CS. So again, on the Mac option tab on the PC, you're going to right click, insert special character and tab. So we were talking before about scanners and mainly how to use them, how they were intended to be used. And I've been thinking about doing this particular podcast for, for quite a while, for a few weeks now. And I was kind of bummed because I waited a little bit too long. And Chris from Tips from the Top Floor actually beat me to the punch on this thing. Because this is something that I've been doing for a while. And uh, if you listen to that show, you're going to recognize this technique. But it's actually using the scanner as a, as a camera or scanner photography. And first of all, let me see, let me say that the most important thing here is to be careful. Scanners are not that expensive these days, but they're not cheap either. So the last thing you want to do is mess up your scanner by doing something like this. But basically what you're going to do here is you're going to scan textures. You're going to scan objects, 3d objects or flat objects. We've already talked about the flat ones. Those are a little easy. And of course you have to have a, a flatbed scanner here. But we're talking about taking this a step further, not necessarily something that will actually sit in there with a the cover closed. It could be an object, like I've taken a wooden box before and scanned the bottom of it. And uh, you can actually tilt your scanner up sideways and scan things, 3D objects that way. Uh, one of the techniques that, uh, there was somebody that did a, an album cover for us, and his technique was to actually do that and put a towel behind it to kind of give it a background or block the light from just going through and capturing whatever was behind it there. You might have, you might put it up against the wall or something so that you have a white background, just kind of play around with that. Um, but basically anything you can fit in front of your scanner. Another way to, another way to do this is to maybe get some kind of supports and turn your scanner all the way upside down and scan down onto the table and scan your object that way. But there's really a ton of options here. You just have to use your creativity. And again, be careful with your scanner because uh, they don't take a beating all that well. So you want to make sure that it still works after you get done doing this stuff. So the last technique that I wanted to talk about is, I think, a pretty obvious one and something we did talk about a couple of weeks ago, I believe, and that is photography. And this can be really advantageous if you know how to take pictures and you know how to take them well. I will say that you don't have to know how to take them extremely well, though, especially with the quality of cameras that are out there these days. You don't have to have an SLR to take a good picture. You can take a very good picture with a point-and-shoot camera, and really your only limitation is going to be how many megapixels it is. And if you're, if you're shooting for images or for graphics that are going on the Internet, then you really don't have any limits because it's not going to matter. Pretty much any camera these days is going to be good enough for that. Where you might run into the problem is if you're going to do print materials and more so with that, if you're going to do things that you need the picture to be big, if you need something to print out very large, then you might have a problem with a point and shoot. Hell, you might even have a problem with an SLR. Uh, the SLR that I have is only, I think eight megapixels. So if I want to take a picture of something that's going to be blown up and put on trade show graphics, that's not going to work for me. I'm going to have to have a, more megapixels for that anyways. But back to the point, it can it can really help you out if you are very good at taking pictures, you can eliminate the need for stock photography. And if you've ever purchased stock photography, 
you'll probably know that it's really, really expensive. Uh, if you get the very high quality, the highest quality, biggest images, they're usually somewhere between $300 and $400 uh, for royalty-free anyways. If you're talking about rights managed, then that's a whole other story. Those things cost a lot of money. But basically, you know, if you take pictures well enough, you might be able to get rid of that whole thing. And this is something that can help you out if you're a freelancer. You might actually be able to add that into your cost and just do it for them instead of having to make them pay $400 for an image. Maybe you could charge them even more than that or a little bit less, however you want to go with that. It also comes in handy for use in collages in compositing. If you have some objects and you want them against a certain background and you can go find that background and take a picture of it, rather than searching the internet for hours for something like that, then that might be the better route to go. Uh, collages, sometimes the pictures might not have to be that good. Maybe, they're, uh, maybe you're putting some kind of blending modes on them to where they're kind of melting into the other pictures and the quality isn't going to matter all that much. So that might be something that... You know, if you're not that great of a, a photographer, maybe you'll still be able to get away with it in, in an instance like that. You can also use it for backgrounds. And some of the things that came to mind would be maybe some kind of old looking wall with a paint cracking on it, or maybe just a blue sky. Now, these are things that are pretty easy to take pictures of and might look nice as a background for a flyer or for a website or anything else you can think of. And you can also use any photo for, for a background just simply by blurring it. And this is a technique I think I saw on the, on the NAP website. But basically, he took, the guy took a picture of himself. It was just like a photo from his shoulders up. And he just blurred the hell out of it. He blurred, I think, motion blur in a couple of different ways or something like that. And it really just kind of turns into a pattern at that point, And it looks just more like colors. And he used that as a background to another, another picture, which was pretty cool. So even if you totally suck at taking pictures, or even if you don't take pictures, maybe you can find old pictures and scan them in and just kind of tweak them so that you can't even tell what the picture is and use that as a background. Obviously, there's a lot more ways to think outside of the computer box. And you really shouldn't be afraid to experiment. That's the only way that you're going to find out if this kind of stuff works. And sometimes it can be kind of fun to do this stuff instead of just jumping on the computer. And again, sometimes it'll save you a lot of time to do it that way instead of going into Photoshop or going to try and take a tutorial to learn how to make that certain effect. Because a lot of these things, when you do them in Photoshop, they take about 10, 15, maybe more steps than that to actually get to the effect that you might be able to get to by simply taking a picture or pulling out an old can of spray paint or something like that. Now, that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our rookie mistake comes from a post that I saw on the forums lately. And I'm not trying to single this person out or anything because this is something that probably happens to a lot of people. But if you have an opportunity for a job, even though it might not seem like the best job that you think you can get, sometimes it's better to take it than to pass it up for an opportunity that you think might be coming around because you don't want to be stuck in that, well, you passed on this job and nothing has come up and now there's no jobs left. Maybe maybe you hit a point where everybody's graduating now and now there's like twice as many people out there vying for the jobs and you had an opportunity to take a job, but maybe it was a production job, maybe it was something that, that wasn't real creative, 
Well, if you haven't had a design job yet, you definitely want to take these jobs. You can always go there. You can try it out. It's never good to to quit a job like a couple of months or a couple of weeks. Definitely after you get the job. But if you can stick with the job for a half a year or a year, that's going to look real good on your resume, and you're probably going to be able to learn a whole lot of things. Even in a production job, you're going to learn a lot of things that you didn't learn in school. And even though you're not being creative, you're building a lot of skills that look very enticing to employers for creative jobs. And it's good to have that background anyway. So if you have opportunities, I mean, if the pay is just ridiculous, which it is with a lot of production jobs. Then maybe you want to pass on it, but maybe think long and hard on that. Maybe you do want to take that kind of job. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. I'm kind of cheating for our bullpen today. The entry is going to be podcastawards.com. I know this doesn't really relate that much to what we're doing here, and it's not really a resource, but. It gives me another excuse to talk about the podcast awards, which I really wish that you would go and nominate me for, starting July first, and you can do that again once a day for fifteen days. So you could possibly give me fifteen votes, which would be completely awesome. Anyways, again, that's podcastawards.com, and now it will be up on the website in the bullpen. But I'm probably also going to put some other links up there and communicate with you guys a little more. To hopefully get your nominations for the show. As always, I love hearing from everybody that listens to the show. You can contact me several ways. You can email me at adam at rookiedesigner dot com. You can go to myspace dot com slash rookiedesigner, become my friend, and talk to me that way. You can use the call in line, which is six one nine five seven three four zero four three. Or you can Skype me. It actually goes to the same inbox.、Uh, if you want to Skype me, the username is Titan Strides. And last but not least, one of the best ways to talk to me and all the others is on the forum. So if you're not a member, please join now and、uh, get in the conversation with everybody. One thing I forgot to mention in the the news section, I just found out today and signed up for it. If you're familiar at all with Podshow. You may have heard that they're starting a new network, and this is going to be a network for podcasters to put their podcasts up on to to host and to get new functionality as far as tracking who's downloading it and whatnot. But it's also for listeners. You can go in there, and this is going to be—I think it's going to be kind of like your new aggregator. It'll be like an iTunes where you can search for podcasts. You can、uh, you can actually share them with your friends if you want to, and all kinds of other stuff. They haven't really released too much information about it. But I put a post up on the website if you haven't seen it yet, and there's a link there. If you go to it, you'll be able to sign up for kind of an advance pass, so that you'd be one of the first ones let into the network. So if that sounds interesting to you at all, go check that out. All right, I think that's about it for this episode. I thank you for listening as always, and just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's. I can't even think of words to match the way I'm feeling. I don't even think a book can say enough for you. I can only try my best.
Change. 